This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am blessed today to have Misty on here with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Super excited. Awesome. Misty, before we get into what you're not sorry for, tell us about yourself. All right. Well, I'm Misty Marino and I'm 42 years old and I often say my age because it's relevant to my testimony and I'm married and we've been married for 15 years and we have a 13 year old boy and my husband and I actually just retired from the Air Force. We both retired from the Air Force on one September and we both served 20 years. My husband served 20 years exactly and I served 20 years and five months and we currently reside in South Carolina and we both started our new jobs. My husband is blessed that he gets to be a stay-at-home husband and father and I work at a tire manufacturing plant here in Sumter, South Carolina as a human resources business partner. And my son is starting his seventh grade year at a new private school. And we're just excited for this next stage of our, of our lives. We call it our what's next after the military. I love it. And thank you, first off, for your service. That in itself is a big deal. But with that, there's been a lot of changes, especially <laughs> in the past week. Absolutely. So with that, it flows into what you're not sorry for. So let's just get into it. Misty, what are you not apologizing for anymore? I am not sorry for making my career a part of my life and not my life. So I joined the military when I was 20, 21 years old. And almost immediately when I joined, I experienced rapid success. So I always won awards and was promoted ahead of my peers and was nominated and selected for special projects and opportunities. And that really continued for about 13 years. I was known as the go-to person and I really, really liked that reputation. And leaders relied on me to get the job done. They didn't care about how I got it done. They just knew that I was going to get it done. So I was very well liked from the top and I thrived on that. Um, but unfortunately, you know, as you progress in your career, um, something gives. And I took the service before self core value of the Air Force 100% literal. And I put my career first and I put myself last and I put my family on the back burner. And unfortunately, for a very long time, my husband and my son received sloppy seconds from me. Um, but I didn't really, you know, I hate to say it, but it, it didn't really matter to me because I was doing so well in my career and I was getting promoted. And with that came raises and money. And so I felt like I was doing my part, you know, to help our family. And throughout 13 years of my career, I just kind of went on that pattern and was always the go-to person. And my family definitely suffered, but I didn't listen loud enough. Mm -hmm. And 
I've received the best performance evals that anyone could get in the Air Force, and I was very used to that. But then one day, um, I worked for a commander, a, a new boss, and I always say that I met my match because she wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid that people drank for about 13 years. And she definitely honored that I would get things done, but she didn't like how I got it done. And she gave me several chances and formally counseled me and informally counseled me about just being a good person. And she wanted me to get the job done, but be a, a pretty good human being while I did it too. Um, but I never, never really followed suit because I just felt like it didn't matter. I'm, I'm a woman in uniform. I'm going to get the job done. If it's getting done, you, you shouldn't worry about how it's getting done. And so she said, okay, if you're not going to listen, then I'm going to go ahead and, and make you listen. And, and she did just that. So at 13 years in, I was a, a master sergeant in the air force, which pretty above average. Usually people make it in about 15 years, make that rank. She gave me my first performance eval. That was not best of the best. In fact, it was a performance eval that was almost unheard of in the Air Force at that time. And she sat me down and said that there is no doubt that you could run circles around every single one of your peers, but you are a pretty crappy human being. And I need you to be a good human being while also being a good airman. And she said those two things shouldn't be separate. And so immediately that rocked my world. Mm -hmm. I was no longer getting this, you know, satisfaction from work. In fact, I was no longer getting awards, not getting promoted. I wasn't nominated or selected for special projects and opportunities. And I was actually seen as a liability. So once that eval went, went public, and like I said, it was pretty unheard of to get an eval like that. All of a sudden, my reputation changed and I felt like I had nothing. Um, and I, you know, if I were to be honest, I actually really didn't because I had treated my family with such disrespect that, you know, when I needed them the most, they were like, Hey, we needed you the most for the last 13 years. So I hit a pretty, pretty low point. And then I, I had a moment, I call it my WTF moment where I was kind of sitting in my car and I was like, dude, you're, you're contemplating, you know, suicide at the time I was so upset over a performance eval of work. So I kind of had the common sense to like snap out of it. And that moment I did, I did just that. I called a mental health counselor and said, I'm having these feelings. They're not normal and I need to get help. And um, yeah, seven years later, I have made my career a part of my life and not my life. And my husband and I are the strongest that we've ever been. And I have a great relationship with my son. And it was all because I, you know, definitely dedicated myself to some counseling and he taught me mm -hmm. to do things. And those three things have led me to where I'm at right now, just making my career a part of my life and not my life. There's so many, so much beauty in that. Oh, there's so many things I want to pull out. The first thing that comes to my mind, which I think is also interesting, is that this week is actually Suicide Awareness Week. Yep. And that so many people see people that thrive and, and try and go above and beyond and, and not know their story. You are speaking about out about things that people need to hear about and how you notice that it wasn't normal and it wasn't right. Oh. And the may and I talk about my counselor 
She is a God-given gift, and I love her. I have they been, are, aren't they? Oh, they definitely are. Everybody should. Yes. Um, but that's me. Like, I have been at that low point, too, because I'm like, what? You're so happy. And that's what people, they look at you, or the little bit that I know about you, like, you're always happy. You're always glowing. But there's always that part that people don't see that side. So, one, I want to commend you on speaking out and speaking up. And then, two, I told you before we went on that you're one of the most emotionally intelligent people that I am getting to know more. Like, you just, I have, I'm very good at reading people, and you're emotionally intelligent. This story even tells me more why. Because not many people will talk about their career path and say, hey, like, I met my match. And in essence, it was something that you needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of time, I will, you know, totally transparent. I spent a lot of time hating her and I even prayed to God and and told God, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I know I should forgive her, but I don't. I actually thought that she was wrong for what she did, Uh, but I say her name all the time. You know, at the time she was Lieutenant Colonel Marsha Aleem, but she's retired now. Marsha Aleem is by far the one person in my life ahead of anyone, I mean, obviously except Jesus, but uh, the one person ahead of my life that had the bold leadership and the audacity, and I'm so glad she did, to stop me in my tracks and say, hey, um, I need you to be a good human. (laughs) Like, I don't care if you're a good airman, I need you to be a good human being. And because she did that, she helped me put my family first, put myself first, and, you know, just kind of change everything up, do everything different. And still to this day, she, I thank her all the time. We went a long time without talking, but I, I text message her every now and then and, and just kind of give her my annual thank you for, you know, knocking the ego out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, every marriage anniversary, I, I say a little prayer um, for her. And she, I think she knows how important she is in my life, but I think the people around me are surprised that she's that important because of the strife that, you know, I, I said that she caused, but essentially it was me um, because she was not wrong and everything that she was saying, she was not wrong. Uh, but yeah, I owe her, I mean, essentially I owe her my life, right? I love that. And I think that's the point that I want to go on here too, is that the leadership aspect of it. Yeah as a leader stopping people and because and, that, that's something I have such a frustration with is so many times people are like it's work versus life instead of bringing it together yep. and how being a true leader can should impact both so let, yeah. let's dive into that for a minute what are some things that you have learned in this journey about embracing I call it the synergy between the both of work and life and how they are needed instead of get the job done any way possible. Yeah. So I, I give all the credit to my counselor, but these three things that he taught me to do. So the first thing was define my purpose and my definition of success. So he told me just kind of like what you just said, you know, work and life have to be harmonized. So he calls calls it harmony and not necessarily work-life balance. Right. But they do need to go together because you're at work probably more than you're at home. Um, so 
I defined my purpose and I defined my definition of success. So once I did those two things, so my purpose is just to develop better human beings with my actions and my definition of success has everything to do with how I feel, no matter what, no matter what is going on around me. So I call it kind of emotional success. And I know I don't mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to curse just because it matters, but not bad. But like, essentially what he said was your definition of success is not being shitty in the shit storm. And I, right. And so I thought I have carried that with me for the last seven years. Cause you see like that it hit the fan, right? Uh-huh. And you see people unravel, but my definition of success is not to unravel, you know, and I've, I've watched it in my current company where, you know, I had, in my department where my department hasn't unraveled because of COVID, you know, but then I look at some other, you know, businesses around me, um, that have unraveled. So the first thing he did was tell me to define my purpose and define my definition of success, because if I do those two things, then no matter where I am and no matter what I'm doing, I can still develop better people and I can still be emotionally sane. Right. And then the second thing was I actually got a life, if that makes sense. So my life revolved around work and I loved working. So I needed to get a life that I wanted to go home to and not, you know, it sounds terrible that my husband and my son weren't enough, but let's just be honest, right? It just, it's not always enough. So for me, I needed to have my own hobbies and my own things that I like to do. So I, I love reading. I took up reading. I also love to write. And I did a lot of like personal assistant work for people where I wrote a lot of their copy for, you know, for Facebook and Instagram and blogs and stuff. So I got a life. And then the third thing that I did in order to help me make my career a part of my life and not my life was in the Air Force, we always talk about you have your Air Force family. Well, that's all good, but your Air Force family thinks alike. You know, they feel the same and they're all under the same pressure. So when you go to them for opinions and perspectives, they kind of all have the same opinions and perspectives. So I developed a different family. I had a gym family. I had a church family. I had a community family. So doing those three things really helped me bridge the gap between work and family and and learn like and balance life and family or or make them harmonize each other. Mm. Oh. There's so many things I love on that one too. So first, I love how you point about your purpose and what we call it is, is finding your values or basically making lens or filters that you can choose to do things. It makes life easier in essence. And then to get a life. I'm a workaholic. My father's a workaholic. My mother, um, she has always put her life into our, her fan, our, us, my mm-hmm. brothers and myself, but she's still a workaholic. And so watching that my whole life, it has been difficult for me, especially owning my own business to step out, you know, and put some of these barriers and not trying to overwork and make sure that I'm abandoning my family at times. So I love that you talk about that because it is so true. And and I'm blessed to get to talk to executives. And that's the one thing that I, I always say is that at the end of the day, you don't talk about the emails that you sent. You talk about the memories you made and they're typically with your family or your loved ones. And you can talk about your successes, but that success comes with people 
And I love that what you had talked about even earlier is the part of you realize that you aren't being the best human that you could be. And now it's your purpose and how that tragedy has turned into a trauma triumph. And so like your mess has turned into a message. All that has just been amazing. So I absolutely adore you and I adore your honesty for that. So for people that are hearing this and they're like, whoa, that sounds like me. I'm slightly getting a pause right now and I don't know what to do in life. What would you tell them? What advice would you invite them to possibly grasp onto to to bring some self-awareness of who they are at this moment to see if it's where they actually want to be? Oh, that's a loaded question. It's such a good question. So every Monday I, I do this religiously. I've done it for a while. Again, I learned it from my counselor, but I always ask myself, is it working? Is what you're currently doing working? And it could be, is eating five packs of M&Ms working for you? I did that yesterday. Um, it's not working, but, <laughs> or, you know, is staying to work at 8 PM working for you? Is it benefiting your whole life? Is, you know, planning these outrageous get togethers with your family, is that working for you where you're stressed out or you're going broke or whatever? So I always ask myself, is it working? And then if you say no, then you have to say, how will I change? How will I change? And, and so, I was ready at the point where I was sitting in my car contemplating suicide to change. And I contribute that to being resilient because the Air Force teaches you to be resilient. And I had to be for 13 years in the military. So I will say that I probably had a leg up because I had so much education on kind of what to identify, you know, I'm going down the wrong path, I need some help. So I would say, start with, is it working? Yes or no? And if it's, if you are not happy with your life, but you're probably going to have to define what your definition of success is. You know, my definition of success no longer deals with the awards that I win, my promotion or the, the money. Like we were just talking about my, my job offer and that doesn't define success for me. So what defines success for me is feeling good when I have to stay till 8 PM because I'm HR, right? And HR always has to stay or, or, you know, or whatever it is, but you have to kind of ask yourself, is it working? And if it's not, then what are you going to do about it? You know, and I also want to say if, if it's okay, Emily, but there's two hard facts that come with this. So making your career a part of your life and not your life is not easy. And so the two biggest facts, one, and this is people really need, I, I call it like a come to Jesus meeting, right? What you're doing is not normal. So people are not going to receive it well, and you have to realize that. So most people who have work-life balance or work-life harmony or whatever you want to call it are labeled lazy, not dedicated, and not all in, right? I, I, you're nodding because I'm sure that you, you hear this from the executives. People who come in early, I mean, I'm sorry, people who come in on time, leave on time, maybe not go to every company picnic or whatever, they're labeled not all in. And unfortunately, that's a reputation that could follow you, right? So the first hard truth is that what you're doing is not normal. People are not balanced. Most people are not balanced. So you're going to have to realize that it may not be well received. And then the second hard fact is if you want to keep this level of balance, you may not progress, you know, in the company. 
people may not want to promote you. Um, and so you have to kind of get really satisfied where, with where you're currently at. My coworker and I have this conversation all the time because our next steps, you know, in the company would be maybe eventually to be an HR manager or whatever. And we both kind of say to ourselves, like, is that, is that the life that we want? You know, do we want that? And so for people who are in this kind of like middle of the roads, trying to figure out, you know, I know something needs to change. I would ask yourself, like, is it working? And then kind of set a plan, but, but know that it may not be well received and you may not go as far as maybe you think you want to go, but that kind of starts with defining your definition of success. Mm-hmm. I tell my husband all the time, if I don't make another dollar in this current job and I don't go any further, I am 100% okay. You know, I took my uniform off for a reason and that reason is to be able to be home by 6 p.m. every night to read with my son. So we read every night together at six. And that is my reason. So if if I stay a human resources business partner for the next 20 something years, as long as I get to be home with my son and read, I'm good with that. I love that. And I think that's another thing that leaders should note on to that you need to create environments where this is normal. It's yeah. It's a slow shift. That's a part of our model at Worksby is to be that that it is the normal. Because if we're going to preach it, <laughs> we actually have to live by it. And I, that makes me think of one of our teammates. She was overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed. And I told her to take off two weeks. Like, just go take your time off. Because here's the thing. If you have people working in stressed out environments, you're paying them to do nothing. Because... Yeah. It's so true. Stress shuts off learning centers of your brain. You cannot be innovative. You cannot grow. You cannot get to the potential and the level that you want to be at because you're stressed. So you're literally, as leaders, you're paid. If you care about money, uh, the ROI on it is no really great return on investment on it. So let them have breathing room. Let them have a break. And understand that this time may be very traumatic for some. Check on your people. Write them handwritten cards. There's so many things that you can do as a leader to make this a new normal, which is a goal of mine. And mission is that living a wise life and creating wise work that people can progress because they care about people. Absolutely. And And that's the thing that I love that you have noted and started from the beginning is that it's all about being a better human. And in that process, how much it has helped. Because you're in the HR world. HR is all about human to human interaction. Yeah. I, I wanted to share, you know, no disrespect to the air force and no disrespect to any of my leaders. Um, it's you accept a certain matter of dedication to, you know, to the military once you progress in rank and it's like the, you know, I mean, you literally, swear to defend the constitution of the United States. And you're saying that you're okay with dying for your country. So obviously there's a level of dedication there that is necessary. Um, but I took my uniform off for a reason in order to have a choice and where I currently work there, there is so much, so much, um, what's the word? Just so many people advocating for work-life balance. So my coworker, we, we had yesterday off and, and, um, on like Thursday or Friday last week, I was like, hey, is is anyone coming in or are you guys gonna work from home for the holiday? 
you know, cause I'm just not used to having Labor Day off, I guess, or maybe I'd have it off, but I'd work from home. And she's like, no, you're not coming in. No one's working from home. And it's like, she gathered everybody to make sure she's pretty senior like there. So she gathered everyone to make sure like I'm going on the boat where would everyone. Okay. No one's coming in. Right. Um, so there's people around me all the time advocating work-life balance. And then a great thing that my boss did the other day, and I respected him so much when he did this, we missed each other all day. We needed to talk, you know, to, to one another for something, but we missed each other all day. So I left and I was just sitting down. I got home and I was just sitting down to eat dinner with my family and he calls and I was like, of course he would call right now. Right. No, no disrespect to him, but it always happens that way. So I picked up the phone. He said, Hey, Misty, are you home? I said, yes, sir. I'm home. And he said, okay, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day. Hangs up. And I was like, <laughs> just happened, you know, and I just had so much respect for him. And then my husband was right beside me and he was like, wow. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I get, I don't even know what to do right now. And then we spent all dinner talking about it, but still, so I, I'm, I'm very, very blessed where I'm at. I mean, we have seasons obviously in our career where, you know, work-life balance doesn't happen, but I have people around me all day. My coworkers are absolutely amazing um, all day advocating work-life balance. And so they model what they expect and I get to see it. And it's such an example. And he's, you know, he's the HR manager. He's the, you know, and, and he, He's certainly probably not home eating dinner at five thirty, but he's making sure his team is. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty bold leader right there. I love that, and that's true. And that's that's the thing that I love is this shift that is happening. I call it a shift towards humanity, and yeah. that people are starting to actually start to care about humans and understand how we're designed, and that we need this collaboration. But we yeah. also need a connection with our families, but also with our work and that we do not have to be a versus that we can actually have both. So, well, I was going to say real quick, like people will say, and I hear it all the time. Oh, the world is going soft. We're going soft. Nope, not going soft. We're just getting back to the golden rule, (laughs) right? We're not going soft. We're getting back to the golden rule and people are not used to treating people with the same level of respect that they want to be treated with that. We think we're going soft. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's a beautiful point because now, and it's that shift from profits to people, you know, and again, what, what you're saying, it's, I don't think it's a soft, I think it is actually boldness. If if you want to actually be bold to say, Hey, we need to be better and we can be better. And it actually will help our margins in the long run. So final question for you. Okay. Anybody apologizing, you hear them say, I am sorry for making my career, my life. What would you say to them? Yeah. First I would probably ask, like, are you happy? Is it working? Cause there are some people that, you know, you do you, if, if that, if that's what makes you happy, you know, there's people that choose intentionally not to get married and not have kids because they love to work. Hey, if that's you, you do you, if you're truly happy, truly happy then you do you. But if you're not happy, you know, you're going to have to redefine your definition of success. And then you'll have to get a life, get something that you look forward to when you get home. Like I, I can't wait to get home and watch like the next Netflix show. When I say get a life, I'm not asking you to like go paddleboarding every weekend. Like 
you know, I nap and snack on Saturdays. I call them my nap and snack days. And I nap, I snack, I watch Netflix. Like that's getting a life. And then lastly, get a family outside of your job. Like, yeah, you have the people that you can turn to in your job, but get a work family. I mean, a gym family or a church family or someone else that can give you some different opinions and perspectives. Because if you're asking the people that all think alike, you're probably not going to get, you know, what you need. So yeah, it, it, I will say it's simple to do, but it's not easy to do to make your, your career part of your life and not your life, you know, and it's not well received. So you're going to have to kind of figure out what you're okay with. And I'm okay with never making another dollar again, you know, more than what I make now and, and never progressing because, you know, they, it, your family is forever. Your job's not. And I almost lost my family. I, I felt that, you know, we were almost a divorced couple that shared custody. Um, every single morning I wake up and thank God that that is not my life. And that that's not a part of my son's story because I got my, my crap together and made my career a part of my life and not my life. That is so amazing. I know the people listening to this on podcast are going to take so much from it because it's something that one, I do not think that is talked about a lot, but two, something that's real and needed. And that is why I'm so blessed that you came on today and spoke with us. And I hope you all have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.